Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. So keep your love. I don't get enough of it. Jesus just rose again. Listen to the kids. Welcome to Watching the Throne. Lyrical analysis of Kanye West. My name is Chris Lambert. My name is Travis Bean, and I I feel bad. I've already lied. What? It's not a lyrical analysis of Kanye West. I know. It's a visual analysis of Kanye West. It's a visual. <laughs> it's a visual. We, uh, of course, are talking Genius today, the Netflix Kanye documentary. Ooh, part two. Part two, right? We've done our discussion of part one. I did my individual review of part one, yeah, and then you did. We did together, yeah, a, a discussion of part one, and now we're on to part two. I mean, who knows what's going to happen next? <laughs> it might be part three. It could be, but we could skip to part four. We could skip to part four. You don't even know about part four. That's right. We do. There's we made no, it. There's no part four. Yeah, <laughs> we made part four. It's a very indulgent. Kanye documentary in that it's about us. Yeah, it's about us trying to get an interview with Kanye. <laughs> it's all this just a Miami trip. <laughs> yeah, which if you're a if you're a longtime listener, you understand the context. If you're not, hey. <laughs> yeah, what a what a glimpse back in time. We were invited to Miami to interview with Kanye, and then it probably didn't happen. I don't know. The probably trip's not, not over not. yet. <laughs> no, we are a few hours away from the Donda Two concert, but here we are in our hotel room making content. Making content, because that's the name of the game, right? Yep. Sponsored by Starbucks Nitro Cold Brew. It's not, but Starbucks, if you want to. If you want to throw us, you know, a few bones just for, like, the show in this can. Yeah. I mean, we won't say right now whether it was good or not, but if you pay us. I got to be honest, like, this isn't going to help me get a sponsorship deal, but I don't like Starbucks that much. <laughs> but this tastes pretty good. <laughs> Ringing endorsements. See, this is the kind of 70 calories. Um, how much sugar? 11 grams of sugar? That ain't nothing. I mean, that ain't nothing. That ain't nothing. I, I'll take that all day. Uh, okay, so Genius Part 2. Uh, it's the sequel to Part 1. Yep, and, and the prequel to Part 3. And the prequel to Part 3. <laughs> And it's like the Star Wars prequel in a way. It, I mean, because it came second, and it was a prequel to one of the parts. You understand it in a way that so, no no professional critic has. This is the Clone Wars of Kanye's career. Ah. <laughs> don't put it that. I way. I didn't even go Phantom Menace. I just went Clone Wars. <laughs> don't 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 put it that way. How do you feel? Do you like any of the prequels? I actually. I'm like neutral to positive on Phantom Phantom Menace. I, I like Phantom Menace. Yeah, I I think at the time the it was disappointing. Two. Yeah, but I think over the years as I've adjusted, I like Phantom <laughs> Menace. Clone Wars, I haven't watched in over a decade. That's true. I haven't seen it. I remember liking it decently enough. I didn't think it was great, but that it had some action sequences that I liked and it was okay. I still hate Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, I didn't dig it. I think all the plot choices are absolutely horrible that like the filmmaking's horrible but everybody loves it because it's like now nah, whatever we don't need to record on that thing oh is it not recording yeah, it's okay we're just gonna re okay. we'll use this recording <laughs> okay i uh, i just think it's bad plot decisions but people love it because it's it's the climactic yeah part of the story right so when you have like 
Obi-Wan and Anakin facing down. That part's pretty badass. I think every choice they make throughout that fight is stupid. But oh, really? everybody's like, it's the fight. It's awesome. I enjoyed it. I but again, it. haven't seen it in... How old? I'm getting old. How yeah. long has it been since the movie came out? Because that was the last time I saw it. I think it, it came <laughs> out like 2005, <laughs> 6, 7, something like that. Oh, God. Okay, let's stop talking about it. Anyway, Genius Part 2. Let's talk about actually... Like a great good cinema, yeah, good <laughs> movies. So, Genius Part One uh, is this amazing look at Ye from the his rise in Chicago to moving out to New York, and you have Cootie who's documenting everything, wanting to make his version of Hoop Dreams, yeah. and thinking like Kanye has something special, especially when H to the Izzo was the first song that Ye played for Cootie, and it, at that time it wasn't H to the Izzo; it was just this beat that Ye had. And Cootie's driving around Chicago one day and yeah. hears the song <laughs> and is like, oh, yeah, you That's know what? what yeah, I'm going to go record this guy. So you get a lot of early 2002, right? Heading into October of 2002, where Ye gets signed to Rockefeller. So it's really like Ye trying to get signed, making beats. You get this history all through Cootie's lens, right? And it's such an underdog story. It's very endearing. Uh, it's very watchable. Like I keep saying, the thing I keep saying whenever I talk about this is like infinitely rewatchable. And part two just picks up right where part one left off in terms of being this underdog story that is just so... You root for yay. There's like an innocence, there's a beauty, there's a, a wonder to this story... To where it's just very engaging and entertaining, especially because we know where it goes, right? Like right. we know the success of the college dropouts, and yet we're seeing all these people figuring it out for the first time, which is really fun because you're just like, "Are you gonna get it? Yeah. Are you going to get it?" And when Pharrell, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I mean, that's my favorite scene in all parts. This two. whole this whole movie. Is just people reacting. <laughs> that, that that was my big takeaway from the movie is like you watch part one and Kanye's going into all these offices and, and rapping for people. Yeah. And doing all falls down. And look, we talked about it in the first episode. Like I totally get like some dude wanders into your office, starts rapping at you. Like maybe you're not into it. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe you're kind of like, what is this guy doing? But at the same time, all falls down. Like nothing possibly sounded like all falls down back in 2002 he was doing that mm -hmm. oh my god like yeah. incredible and you you have that feeling when you're watching it and you're like how are they not having this reaction for whatever reason they don't and then as connie goes and plays his music for people over and over they <laughs> have the exact same reaction like a genuine like oh my god like i've never heard anything <laughs> like this like you are so talented yeah. like you're not just a producer you're somebody who like is able to find the art of like the beat that you've made and the sample that you've used and like be a part of it like it's something very transcendent yeah that you see them experiencing in real time like we all have we all know that feeling when you hear something special and to see people ha it happening to them in real time live like yeah that pharrell scene it's just so overwhelmingly beautiful to watch. And the fact that like people talked in part one about the, and we talked about it in our part one discussion, how long the Donda scene lasts to where it's not just this like quick yeah. moment of yay seeing Donda and you hear her give like a couple lines of like, 
advice. Advice, yeah. To where you're just like, okay, that was Donda. You get like 10 minutes yeah. <laughs> of them interacting and talking and you see the the important moments, the small moments. You just get to really soak in the interaction. Right. And that's what I loved about the Pharrell scene. So you have this moment where Ye's in the studio with Pharrell and he's like, hey, can I play you something? And what does he play him? Is he plays, it, um, I have it written down. It's not through the wire. Um, yes, it is. It is. Because he realizes what he, because he hears oh, hear the yeah, whole yeah. verse and then he says like, I, I speak through the wire. You yeah. Know? And like, he finally gets like the metaphor. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like, ah. And again, like, it's a genuine of like, oh, like you're doing something. Like you've reached a point that most people don't get to. Yeah. And Pharrell's just like, Pharrell keeps apologizing to him. He's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> he says it like 10 times. I didn't see it. Like, I didn't see it. I'm so sorry. I see it now. Like, I see it. Oh, my God. And Pharrell does the thing where he just walks out of the room and, like, goes down the hallway because he's so overwhelmed. It's such a pure moment. It made me, like, kind of cry a little. It's making me tear it's up awesome. a little now. Just because Pharrell is so young. And, like, at this point, yeah. Pharrell's, like, a legend, right? Yeah, Neptunes. Neptune, like, but even... Click, uh, or, uh, uh, Clips, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Like, at this point, like, in modern day, we just think of Pharrell as, like, he's been doing it for 20 years, over right. 20 years. Like, he's a legend. But back then, Pharrell's, like, what was he, like, in his 20s? Mm-hmm. He's, like, this young kid who's giving such, like, sage... He's just so cool. Yeah. Like, you're just like, oh, Pharrell's awesome and what he's saying to Ye is so genuine so heartfelt and it's a thing that Ye didn't get all through part one yes like you never get this like genuine I believe in you you're doing something special from a peer like you get people that are like he's a great producer like he's next up but it feels like they're just kind of saying things yeah say it because the camera's there they want to be in his good graces but when Pharrell saying that shit, like Pharrell is speaking from the heart. God, it's so cool. It's it's one of the beautiful parts in the movie is um, we'll talk more about this in part three, how Cootie is kind of like a central character in the movie, yeah. you realize. And he, in a way, represents people Kanye grew up with, like people from Chicago. And, and that's what you hear, like in part one, like people in Chicago get it. They hear what Kanye's doing. They're like, oh, like, here's a guy, like, from our neighborhood doing something incredible, like, someone who can make it big, somebody who can go to New York or L.A. or whatever and, like, be gigantic. It's not easy to transport that attitude to either New York or the West Coast, like, for people to have that same attitude about you. And he has to slowly cultivate that kind of thing. It's, uh, yeah, it's just incredible to, like, one by one, he's knocking down the dominoes. Like, you got Pharrell, you got Dre Davis, you got um, Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx, who's just, like, you know, the, the whole story of Jamie Foxx, they actually they didn't talk about it in the documentary at all. But the, the I think he talked about it on a late night show or something. Like, whenever a musician came over to Jamie Foxx's house for a party, he would say, like, we have to go to my studio and do a song. Like, it's kind of a rule of mine. And it's usually probably just, like, a fuck around. Like, oh, let's go record a song. Let's test some stuff out. Kanye goes down there and plays slow jams. <laughs> like, slow jams ain't your typical shit. Like, uh-huh. that, is, that is some immaculate, transcendent stuff. Like, you're like, oh, like... Marvin Gaye, some Louis, like it's it, it flows so well, and you see Jimmy Fox getting into it, and he's like he's like all right, he's like I, you you watch his face like the whole time, it's just kind of like he's like listening to Kanye, he's like okay, like that's interesting, and then he's like, and then Kanye's like explaining the song, and he's like 
all right, yeah, like, this is cool. <laughs> and then he gets into the booth and he's like into it and he's like ad-libbing and it just like becomes, it naturally becomes something so beautiful and profound. And then it becomes slow jams. You witness history. <laughs> like you just witness yeah. him like getting the instructions and being like, uh, I get it. And then laying down what yeah. became the intro to slow. It's insane. Nobody talking about how they feel and how they feel. <laughs> <laughs> like, again, Connie just so naturally had it. And it, that's the difference you see. As opposed to, like, someone who has talent, who can do this or that for you. Like, Connie is just somebody who, like, he exudes confidence, talent, like, so ready to work, so ready to collaborate. Like, that kind of energy, like, when you're around people like that, you, you feel it. Like, when you're an artist and you also want to create and do great stuff, like, it just, like, it it, it it empowers you to do that kind of stuff. Like, you watch that happen. It's it's so rare to capture that on camera. Yeah. And, you know, jumping back a little bit, the structure of part two, which maybe you're watching this and you've already seen it. Maybe you're getting this as, like, a, a preview hype video or podcast. Yeah. Um. But you start off with Ye's accident, right? Mm. Well, essentially, you start off with he got signed to Rockefeller at the yeah. end of part one. And you're like, oh, this is the big break. And you realize, no, it's not. Despite being signed, he's still not getting the album made, right? Yeah. They're not letting him make the college dropout. He has no marketing budget. He has no recording budget. So he's in purgatory a little bit. And he's having to go make beats for other artists and they talk about this how he's just like making all of these beats for other artists so he can afford his stuff because he's still not getting money from rockefeller in the way that an artist signed to rockefeller gets money and then the car crash happens and there's not the direct statement that rockefeller caused like i don't want to go that way but you get the idea that because he wasn't getting the budget that an artist would get, he was working extra hard, extra long hours, yes. and really having to burn the candle at both ends. And he was actually at the studio. You see somebody, like, Def Jam sends him out, or Rockefeller sends him out to Los Angeles to record for somebody else's album as a producer. And that's when the car crash happens, which is kind of wild. It's like... It's out of a movie that kind of like, like this kind of things that happens in a plot that doesn't feel believable. Like, <laughs> it's just like, oh, you just happen to be like called out to like be forced to do somebody else's album and not be able to work on yours. And like this accident happens, like this thing that pushes you even further away when you're already being pushed further away. Yeah. Which he's Kanye West. Like nothing, no obstacle is too great for Kanye. <laughs> like, like those two obstacles piled on top of each other. Like he jumped right over it and yeah. still did it. So the... The part two doesn't focus so much on the car crash. Like I thought they might spend a yeah. little bit more time in terms of like how life threatening it was, like the hospitalization, the concern that people have. But you kind of go from like the crash to Kanye not being a good condition to him being out of the hospital. Like it's yeah. kind of quick because Cootie wasn't around in Los Angeles at that time. He flew out in the aftermath, but you kind of pick up with Ye. Uh, a few weeks removed from the accident and trying to figure out everything with his mouth and the surgery and jaw and all of that. It was kind of amazing to me how casual 
mm-hmm. everything was. Because when I think back to that time, I think back to like he's in the hospital, he's broken, like right. he's a broken person. Will he recover? And it's kind of just like back to the same old stuff, but he has his jaw issue now. Like there's something very plain about it. Yeah. Uh, mundane about him dealing with the the aftermath of the accident. I I almost feel like it was more of a poetic choice, though, because they, instead of, like, steeping in the accident, which is more of, like, a movie-like thing to do, mm-hmm. like, steeping the drama and the pain of something, like, they do kind of just cut forward to him, like, this doesn't stop Kanye. All he's worried about is, like, when can I get this shit out of my face because I need to be, like, on camera and, like, look good. Yeah. To... I think they deal with it more through the wire video because that becomes kind of a central element of the movie. Yeah. It's like they're working on it. They have these ideas for it. They have no budget for it. Connie's paying for it for himself. And throughout the movie, you, you like get these little snippets of like, they're working on the through the wire video. Like they've done this with it so far. And it's taking a while. Cause like Chike, like, you know, they're doing this all on a, on a computer in Chike's yeah. studio. It's not like that's a big budget operation. Yeah. Um, and it's all the slow build to towards the end. Kanye premieres the video and finally wins Dame Dash over because the video blows up because like you witness somebody who like had no help and th- against all odds made this video about something that should have ended his career and instead launched his career. <laughs> like it's the most Kanye possible thing that could have happened. And that's when Dame Dash is like, Oh shit. Like you're for real. Like people believe in you. Let's yeah. do this. Yeah. I mean, you have these contrasting scenes, which is also a really nice choice where at one point Ye goes to Dame's house oh and I forget who the 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 woman rapping is, but she's like younger, right? Yeah. Uh where I think they call her like I, I didn't she, recognize her. I didn't remember the name, but it's just like a, a younger female rapper and they're in Dame's place and she raps and everybody in the room is just like listening and Dame's like, Alright, that was cool, good job, like gives her praise. And you realize this is like a hurdle. This is something that like artists have to do mm. to get Dame to sign them or give them a budget. Yeah, it's like the behind the scenes American Idol of the industry <laughs> and like making your career. And Ye's there. Yeah, and he's like, "Yo, let me play something for you." And goes and puts in music. And Dame leaves the room. Yeah. He just, like, leaves the room, and then when he comes he back... He leaves the house. He leaves the house. <laughs> he's just like, I, hey, I'm leaving. Y'all can stay. And it's, like, the same thing that we saw with him playing All Falls Down, but the executive version of yeah. it. Like, these aren't just people in the office. This is, like, one of the CEOs of Rockefeller just leaving him on red. Like, I'm, I'm bouncing. I don't need to listen to this. He's so unimpressed by what Ye is doing that it sets up the later scene with through the wire right. of what will Dame, like will Ga- Dame even give him the time of day. And you have this. Oh, Im- <laughs> that scene is great. Yeah. The moment where like Ye's introing the video, Dame's not there yet when he's getting ready. To yes, that's it. right. Yeah. And he starts like kind of going off a little bit. He's like, you know, I don't have a production budget. I don't have a marketing <laughs> budget. I don't have a budget for my that's album. Right. Like, Rockefeller hasn't given me anything, and then Dame Dash comes down the yeah, hallway. Right in the middle of Connie talking about right, it. And you know that he would have heard it. Probably, yeah. Because it seems like there's a hallway, he was already through And he the has door. a look on his face of, like, either he doesn't want to be there, or, yeah, he heard it and, like, knows that, like, Kanye's, like, a little hurt about it. Yeah. You know? Like, I heard everything you're saying. <laughs> and then Ye, for his part, like, he, he talks up, like... 
Dame, but he doesn't necessarily back down off of what he was no, saying. No, not at all. Like, you don't see him be like, oh, no. No. And then he plays the video. And the video is, like, the video is cool because, as you said, it's, like, Cootie uh, was doing the documentary. He meets Shike, who's at MTV, and they're putting together this, like, first look at Kanye and Shike having been part of that decides to work on this music video with Cootie and you get them essentially getting people reacting to through the wire. Yeah. So you get DeRay Davis reacting, you get Pharrell reacting, you get, I forget who else we see react to it, but it was, um, I think those were the main three and some of the, those two, Who's the third? Oh, uh, and uh, I guess, no, not Jamie Foxx, because he's not really reacting mm-hmm. to it. You're right, there was somebody else. There was somebody else, else but, uh, like, you see the clips that we've seen throughout the video, which is kind of, like, awesome as well, in terms of, like, the filmmaking aspect, and what, like, Kudi, Chike, J.I.V. as well, who, like, helped write and figure this out, um, what they were doing in terms of setting up, because you're witnessing all the behind-the-scenes stuff that only... Like they get to see, yeah, and that only they knew about all this time, and now we're like privileged to get to see it. And it's like all these clips that we saw end up making the music video, yeah. And it's just like, oh wow, <laughs> we just watched the making of the music video, yeah. It really is history in the making. I mean, and that just gets at like a part in part three, yeah. Which I don't want to jump ahead in part three, but. I'm itching to talk about it. When we get to the life of Pablo, <laughs> yeah. it's like Cootie's camera that was the one capturing the... I, I didn't know that. The iconic, like, Cuddy and Ye yeah. jumping up and down. Like, that famous image of Ye and Cuddy at uh, Yeezy Season 3. Yeah. That was Cootie. Like, Cootie was the one filming that. Unless yeah. it was, like, footage from someone. But I'm pretty sure that was Cootie's footage. It looked like it. He, he had the angle that I remember. Yeah. I, so that mm. just, like, blew my mind that, like... And there are all these videos that I've seen over the years that ended up being footage from, like, Cootie's camera from part one, part two, and part three, which is just amazing. Man, I don't even... It's just such an incredible... Like, the whole story, like, even bouncing off the through the wire thing where, like, Kanye is slowly, like, making this video while he's doing all this other stuff. Like, again, he's not getting studio time, and he's having to run off and, like, produce these songs for people... Um, whenever he's interacts with people in the hallway, like all they want to know is like, "Hey, man, I need beats." Like yes. that's all you get from him. Like they're not interested in him, like what he wants. He even shows up to the studio. There's a scene. I think it's a pointed scene they use in the movie where like he's producing a song for like a kid. You remember this? There's like a kid rapper in the studio, and like I don't even remember who this kid is. Uh. But like it's clear they're making a point of like, oh, Rockefeller believes in this like little kid. <laughs> More than they believe in Kanye. It's not Bow Wow. It's not. No, 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 not Bow Wow. Bow Wow's in the movie. Yeah. Uh, They they use him as a joke. Yeah. I think that's part one, right? That's part one. That's part one. Yeah. Um, But they just, like, they keep piling on, like, how Kanye, like, has... And Kanye is just slowly, again, manifesting what he wants, willing it into existence, because he just keeps... The only way he's able to make his album is by borrowing studio time from people. Yeah. Like, shows up to Ludacris' studio, like record a song, like show up to Jamie Foxx's, like just show up to Jamie Foxx's house for the fuck of it and recording Jamie Foxx's part. Like he has to keep doing this kind of like blue collar kind of shit, you know, like making it himself. Yeah. I mean, what's more inspired? Like, and it's not like he just made like, he didn't, it's not like he made nothing. He made the college dropout. Like it's <laughs> one of the most important rap albums of all time. We witness one of the most important rap albums of all time being made 
in this blue collar way, like you could do anything. Yeah. After seeing something like that. Yeah. It's incredible. I mean, it lives up to the the expectation of Absolutely. like Ye's underdog story, the myth and the legend of Ye's come up. You're just like, oh yeah, nobody exaggerated anything about the story. Like last call was not an exaggeration. They under like, exaggerated. <laughs> if anything, it was harder than what you <laughs> thought it was for him. Um, but you have the, like the great scene, like with the dentist when he's going oh, in. The dentist getting, scene like, had me cracking up. I thought I was like the guy's being kind of mean. He but... was well. He was at first. He was being at first. He was being like, like doctor practical. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's like, you have a camera in here. Like you, you can't have a camera in here. I'm gonna go in your mouth. And Connie's like, is that a problem? He's like, is that illegal? And the guy's yeah. like, no, it's not illegal. <laughs> but and then you just like all of a sudden the guy like settles into it and yeah. he's like and he's like all right like let's do it <laughs> and he's like making jokes from him as he's like digging through his teeth and he's like he's playing it up to the camera and everything I'm like it must be just the effect Connie has on people I don't know <laughs> maybe if I ever get to actually talk to Connie I'll turn into like such a charmer or something <laughs> but like it, it was just so awesome like again that's the best part of the movies I think is like all these genuine moments that you don't really. I feel like I was trying to describe that and when we were, not that the we were talking about The Last Dance and how I was disappointed by it. And not that every documentary needs to be like this, but sometimes documentary have this sense of like, there's a barrier and like you're there to learn about something and you're not really living in the moment. Like this movie has that. You are there in it, like you're experiencing it and like you just kind of feel what it's like to be around Connie. It's, it's an incredible achievement. Yeah, we were talking about this. I can't remember. Did we talk about it? During part one, or was it just you and I? Yeah, let's find out. Yeah, but we we're talking about kind of the difference in approach. Like you see, in a documentary like The Last Dance, a lot of it relies upon the confessionals, right? There's a lot of present day commentary from mm-hmm. people that breaks up the historic aspect of the documentary, right? To where like you do get footage from like this game or the locker room here and there. But that's broken up by Michael Jordan in the present day talking, by this other person in the present day talking. You hop, skip, and jump around a lot to where it's cool to see the historic footage, but you're never really getting to like dive into the historical elements. Where with Kudi and Shike's documentary, like Kudi's footage for Genius, you're really just like in the flow of that period. And you get Kudi's voiceover from the present day. But it's not like we're getting like confessionals with Cootie being like this in front of the camera and being like, so this is what was going on back then. Yeah. Or cutting to like Jay Ivey or anyone else, like DeRay Davis now talking about it then, which would interrupt kind of the flow of the time period. Yeah. It's something else like the the Beatles Let It Be documentary that just came out at Christmas. Oh, the Peter Jackson one. The Peter Jackson one is also just like not uncut footage from that time, but it's just... Yeah, you're, you're seeing him, like, fuck around and, like, just be happening to make a Beatles <laughs> album, which is legendary. <laughs> yeah, and it's all, like, you're not getting anything from the present day. You're not, not even getting commentary, right? Like, no. you're getting some, like, title cards at times. Yeah. Um, which was cool to just kind of be in the moment with them and be that steeped in what was happening back then. I feel like this is a good middle ground. Because that at times was too much without any kind of context. So yeah, this right. was this was more up my alley in terms of having Cootie giving some context, providing like a present day voice. 
mm. and kind of a, a capturing some of the sentiments from today back then. But you do have like the transitions start to happen, right? The underdog story that was so relevant in part one and part two throughout most of part two, right? Finally, Yay releases through the wire, wins Dame over. You go full tilt into the making of the college dropouts and you get to see him recording some of these songs and his budget's free and like he's getting more artists in and it's exciting. And you have this moment where he's talking to Cootie and he's like, hey, we're getting Hype Williams yeah. to do the Jesus Walks video. And you can sense the polite tension that's there as like... <laughs> Why am I not doing your video? Yeah, where it's like Cootie and Chike just like essentially jump-started Ye's rapping career with yeah. the Through the Wire video. Yeah. Which granted, the song's insane. Like people were reacting powerfully to the song without the visuals. But it was the music video itself and the response to the music video that got everything going. And, you know, probably after time, Through the Wire would have, yeah. as just a song, mm. made headway for Kanye. Maybe it would have taken a few months more, maybe a couple weeks, but still, how things played out, Cootie right. and Chike were major players with the Through the Wire video. So you'd expect for their next for the next video... Yeah, he'd be like, all right, let's run this back. We're doing it again, right. this trio. And instead, he's like, yo, I have to go with Hype Williams. Yeah. And like, Hype Williams is a legend. He had done Belly at that point. Yeah. He had made all these um, famous music so videos. So many music videos, yeah. And you have Cootie being like, what? Like, not, not saying like, how could you do this to me? But not necessarily being like, it's cool. He's just like, are you sure? Like, what? Well, uh, that becomes an important part of the movie, and it exposes more in part three. But, like, again, that difference between, like, somebody you know from your neighborhood who's making it to, like, what happens when you make it. Yeah. Like, the it, it's not necessarily a bad thing that happens. Like, it's natural, but it's just something you have to come to terms with. Like, yeah. a reality of the world and... I don't know. There, there's like, there's still, it's funny because like there's tension no matter how you look at it. Like there's no reason it has to be that way. Like you can still, like Cootie could direct all your videos for the rest of your life because like he did through the wire. It did work. Yeah. Um, but there's, well, I don't want to get into part three too much. But yeah, it's, it sets the seeds for that. Yeah, because you're starting to see the first transition of Ye is stepping into fame. And what changes, it's like, now that now that he has attention and acclaim and there's momentum behind his name, Hype Williams is on board. Right. And instead of being like, well, no, Cootie and Chike are my guys. We made this video. I don't need hype. It's like, no, I'm hyped to get hype. Yeah. And because I can get hype, I will get hype. And I'm sorry, but you understand, right? It's yeah. Hype Williams. Exactly. And Cootie's like, yeah, I, I mean, yes, but you know that... <laughs> You're going to disagree. He's not going to be able to do the things that you want to do. Yeah. And you're going to come back to us and we're going to film a whole other video. And Ye's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that ends up being what happens. Exactly what happens. They do. He films like Jesus Walks version one with Hype Williams. Isn't happy with it. Uses his own money to film another like big budget version two with another. It might have been Hype. It might have just been him. I don't remember who it was. He does it like that. And then he comes back to Cootie and Chike and they film like a much more guerrilla style auteur mm. 
um, <laughs> back in Chicago where they have like just some random friend of theirs playing Jesus. And it's just like going about your day in Chicago and Jesus is with you, which is like strikingly different than the <laughs> yes. other two. I mean, it's a Hype Williams video. Like it's like a, uh, the, the original one, like it's, because the, the Cootie one's, like, so humbling and independent. And yeah. Hype Williams, like, it's Hype Williams. Like, he made Belly. It's, like, colorful and extra and everything. Flames. Yeah. There's flames. <laughs> it, yeah, the difference in, like, just the sensibility, it feels like the difference between something like Fast and Furious and Uncut Gems. Like, <laughs> okay, you, yeah, that's a good comparison. You just get that that degree of just difference in tone, bombacity. Uh, but it's it's a little brutal to see that transition start mm. to take place. And you can't help but think about Yates speaking on like late registration, graduation, 808s, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. As he starts to reflect upon the fact that as I get more famous, I get more disconnected. And here you're seeing it in real time with him and Cootie who already he's like disconnecting from. Yeah. Um, and then you get like a few more things, right? You get like gold digger. Um, yeah, you see that, the, the, that starting to come together. I think the big thing at the end of the movie though, is like they spend a little more time on Connie and Donda's relationship yeah, and how like the, he kind of is helping Donda with like her charity yeah. and he goes and talks in front of all these kids. And th- I thought this was a cool touch actually. And, uh, like kind of a, a purposeful transition between part two and three. Cause part three, it flashes forward and you're seeing Kanye like kind of lose it with celebrity and like being really out there and like overexposing himself. Uh, but back in part one, like he's still fresh. He's still like respectable. He's still somebody, not that he's not respectable, but like everyone likes Kanye at this yeah. point. And he goes and talks in front of these kids. Like it's important that Kanye's talking to these kids. And, you get this one little sound from Kanye and the things he says to inspire these kids, like how can you be overconfident? <laughs> that, that kind of statement from Kanye that today a lot of people roll their eyes at yeah. back then was like, fuck yeah. Like, how can you be overconfident? Like, of course, like listen to this man. <laughs> um, it was like, it, it's a nice little insight into like, he wasn't overexposed yet. So like the things he said were meaningful and powerful and uplifting because like, it wasn't like, constant you know yeah and it wasn't like we were getting a lot of that kind of stuff back then like Kanye was truly unique in that sense um so it was just so cool to see him then being like that and like so god you could just see people investing themselves in him and then as a result you could see why they would feel burned out by him and like betrayed by him yeah because like they talk about the old Kanye like oh I like the old Kanye but watching this movie you kind of realize like there isn't really an old and new Kanye there's just like, it's just all about the filter you put him through and like how you're seeing him and like what kind of, um, I mean, the people he has in his life, like keeping him grounded and like saying things that like speak to the kids. Like it, there's like a balance to it all that was like, it was just a perfect balance back then. It was just something like everybody like loved and there was this dewy eyedness about it, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's the innocence of not having come up yet, right? There's yeah, still exactly. Like, there's still a fragility to your position. You're still not made. You still don't have millions of dollars, yeah. much less billions of dollars. So there's, and he hadn't been heard. He hadn't had a voice in the public before. So all of these things, as you're saying, feel very 
refreshing where by the time there's a controversy or two, yes. by the time you've heard it for the 500th time, it's easier for people to kind of be like, eh. Like him at the Grammy saying, like, I guess we'll never know. Yeah. Like that was, it was legendary in the moment. Legendary. But now you look back and you're kind of just like, oh, that's just, like, that feels like a Kanye. Not, we don't feel that way, but like you can see a lot of people feeling that way. Well, it would be something if he did it today, it wouldn't, yes. it wouldn't have the same, like, no innocence and boldness that it had back then right but it, you do start to see this transition to all right i'm now ahead of the curve i was behind the curve right. i was outside of the curve altogether for so long and now that he's starting to get ahead of things you're starting to see the way in which uh, things are starting to the pace of his life is starting to increase and what does that what does that mean for him and I mean, I recently listened, I keep talking about this and like everything that we're doing, the Brett Easton Ellis podcast episode with Ye. And this is 2013. It's after Yeezus came out and Ye is talking about how he needs to find things that calm him down because it's easy for him to start to race mm. or start to get like ramped up and caught up in things. So he's like, you know, I try like porn, I try drinking, I try like sex, I try like medication i try all of these uh medication meditation uh, religion all of these things to try to like bring me back to center like slow the pace of things like calm everything down and that's i think the major difference that you see in like part one and part two things are still calm like there's a lot of stuff going on but things are still like his life is still in a calmer place mm. and you can see the pace start to quicken. And that's really the pace of part three is everything's like faster, snappier. Right. There's so much more demand on his time that listening to Brett Easton Ellis podcast and Ye speaking specifically to that idea of like, how do I slow myself down? How do I slow like the world down when wow. everything's so fast like, it's not something that you hear about in the documentary, but it's something that you can feel happen over the course of the documentary that I think explains a lot of the difference in just, like, yay between parts two and three. Even though so much is still the same, I think that's the major difference is the pace and the impact that the pace has on him because for the most part how you're seeing him talk in part three like mm. a lot of his interactions you're like same guy it's the exact same guy <laughs> same exact guy in 2002 as like 2017 as yeah. 2022 like the difference that you see in the headlines is not as severe as the difference you see behind the scenes but the pace of life is much larger yeah it's um god you're making me realize like even more why part three is so good it's so good it it really i mean i don't want to hype it up too much but it really it crystallizes the movie in a way like you, yeah. you kind of realize what the movie's doing like everything you just said like makes me realize it even more like the yeah. fact that it speeds up and like you kind of become lost in Kanye's life it, it's it's just such a perfect representation of i don't think it's a spoiling things too much um that part three you kind of start to realize that you're not just watching a documentary about Kanye's life. You're watching Kanye's life from Cootie's perspective and from like our perspective. Yeah. We're like, yeah, Cootie saw this guy who like was young, like up and coming, like had drive. 
and then you can slowly see how like that can spiral in a way especially when you don't have like your rock your foundation the stability like you feel kind of lost things are moving a million miles an hour and suddenly like Connie feels lost at the same time like you feel lost following him like it's just all happening at once like oh my gosh like it's out of control like how could anybody handle this kind of thing and you it just like you you see this natural progression from like how slow and still part one and two are to like once you take off, you take the fuck off <laughs> and there's nothing to do about it. Yeah. And how do you cope with that? And that's what the beauty of part three and we'll get into that at some point. But the beauty is that it starts to become not just like the Kanye documentary, but a documentary about what it means to achieve and the consequences of success. Yes. That and the consequences of like anyone pursuing something, finding something, and how do you then deal with the aftermath of that? It's, uh, which you don't really see. It's like you have yes. all these movies that usually deal with just like the underdog going from underdog to success, yep. but not the consequences of success and the reality of success because Hollywood isn't often concerned with the consequences of things. Mm. It's just concerned with like, did we do it or not? Yes or no, it's the binary. But reality isn't so binary. And the fact that this documentary takes the extra step into the consequences, but doesn't make it just about yay, but starts to make it about like all of us. Yeah. And the way in totally. which life affects us and the way in which having like parents and mentors and other people that support us or the lack of that support and how that impacts us, especially as our lives get more complicated, just beautiful. And having empathy for people who are going through things and like not like you're hurt by things, but you, but you are understanding at the same time. Like yeah. you, you, you're able to let some of that hurt go because you care so much about somebody and you understand. And like, you have to be that way if they're going to make it, if they're going to get to the other side and get better. Yeah. Oh, Part three. Yeah, part three. So part one and part two, amazing in terms of Incredible. like the underdog story, the innocence of it all, the beauty of it all, the achievements. But part three is where you just get into like that next gear of like narrative and theme and art. Oh man. But part two, I think I end up liking part two more than part one. Just yeah. because like you get a little bit of that like closure in yeah. terms of the album making. I mean, it's just cool in the sense that you watched the college trip up being made. <laughs> I've listened to the college trip up a million times, and I didn't know what I didn't know any. I mean, I, I I knew of it generally, but like to see it happening, uh, wow, next, next level. <laughs> just, wow, that's crazy. All right, well, we're gonna go to the concert. We're in Miami for that reason. Ready to go? I got my black on. Yeah, I need to change clothes. So <laughs> that's it for this uh, for this episode. But thanks for watching, listening. Yeah, and stay waving. Keep it loopy. And I am. And they ask me, they ask me, they ask me. I tell them. Raise your glasses, your glasses, your glasses to the sky. This is the last call for alcohol.